When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We worship an awesome God in the blue states. The, the president's uh, problem is that he was born a Muslim. Not God bless America, God damn America. My Christian faith then has been a sustaining force for me over these last few years. Marriage itself is now being redefined and at a very incredible velocity. President Obama made it very clear that he wanted to be the abortion president. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Welcome to the history of evangelicals and politics, the Obama era. This is episode 27. Evangelicals get passionate about the passion of the Christ. I'm John Fia. In late December 2004, the Religion News Writers Association named Hollywood actor Mel Gibson the Religion Newsmaker of the Year. Gibson's film about the final 12 hours of the life of Jesus, The Passion of the Christ, was listed alongside religious issues tied to the 2004 presidential election as the year's top religious events. Indeed, controversies surrounding the Passion of the Christ, alongside debates over same-sex marriage and the re-election of George W. Bush, fueled the culture war in 2004. And evangelicals, especially those on the Christian right, were at the center of it all. The Passion of the Christ focused on the suffering of Jesus and drew almost entirely from the four Gospels. The actors in Gibson's film spoke in Hebrew, Latin, and Aramaic. The movie was rated R, mostly for the violence and bloody scenes of Jesus's crucifixion. It was released on February 25th, 2004, Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent, and it earned $83 million in its opening weekend. It went on to earn just under $371 million and continues to be the highest grossing R-rated movie in United States history. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The Passion of the Christ, with its focus on Jesus' suffering on the cross, reflects Gibson's conservative Catholic faith. 
The actor who played Jesus, Jim Caviezel, who was also a devout Catholic, insisted that each day of filming start with the celebration of Catholic Mass. Gibson portrayed Christ's death in the film as a battle between good and evil, but he also believed that such spiritual warfare between the forces of God and the forces of Satan took place during the actual filming of the movie. Complications happened to block certain things, he told an audience who attended a preview of the film. And the closer you are to a breakthrough point, the more vigorous it gets, so that you know when the opposition is at its greatest, you're close and you have to keep pressing on. In another interview, Gibson said that he wrote the script, but the Holy Spirit was working for me on this film. I was just directing traffic. Gibson's film started making headlines about a year before its release. Based on its reading of an early script in June 2003, the Anti-Defamation League claimed that the film was anti-Semitic. Throughout history, the League's press release read, Christian dramatizations of the passion have fomented anti-Semitic attitudes and violence against the Jewish people. The Anti-Defamation League assembled a scholarly committee to examine whether the passion in its final version would portray Jews as bloodthirsty, sadistic, and money-hungry enemies of Jesus. The committee would decide whether the movie depicts Jews as the ones responsible for the suffering and crucifixion of Jesus, or if it would portray Jews in the temple as the locus of evil. Movie critics such as Roger Ebert and conservative radio host Michael Medved, an Orthodox Jew, rejected the Anti-Defamation League's claims of anti-Semitism. And evangelicals also defended the movie on this front. Former moral majority leader and syndicated columnist Cal Thomas wrote, to those in the Jewish community who worry that the film might contain anti-Semitic elements or encourage people to persecute Jews, fear not. The film does not indict Jews for the death of Jesus. In July 2003, roughly eight months before its release, a group of 30 evangelical leaders previewed the film in a special showing with Gibson in Colorado Springs. Those in attendance had to sign a pledge in which they agreed to keep confidential their exposure, knowledge, and opinions of the film. But they were permitted to speak out in support of the movie and state their opinions resulting from their exposure to the project and Gibson, its producer. Those who spoke publicly about the film following this showing did not think the film was anti-Semitic. In October 2003, Albert Moeller, the president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, I should add here, it's not clear whether he was present at the Colorado Springs preview, said that the issue of anti-Semitism was irrelevant to the cultural debates about the film. Moeller claimed that the controversy over the film tells us far more about the despisers of Christianity than about Christianity itself. He added that the New Testament tells us that the Jewish authorities did oppose Jesus and did eventually plan and call for his crucifixion. But at the same time, the New Testament points to the death of Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, 
as the ground and provision for our salvation. Christ's death was not the result of a merely human plot by parties, Jewish or otherwise, who wanted to be rid of him. Moeller said that the enemies of the gospel hate the passion of Christ because, as the Apostle Paul warned in 1 Corinthians 1, the cross has always been a stumbling block and a scandal to unbelievers. James Dobson of Focus on the Family was outraged that many in the secular media and some liberal Catholic and Jewish leaders had accused Gibson of bashing Jews and fomenting religious animosity. He specifically mentioned the Anti-Defamation League here. Dobson called these claims baseless. Since the film was based on the Gospels, Dobson said, it was impossible for the film to be anti-Semitic. In response to an article by Boston Globe columnist James Carroll, claiming that the gospel stories themselves carry the virus of Jew hatred, Dobson responded, does Mr. Carroll really expect readers to believe that the gospels written by Jews about a Jewish Messiah and his Jewish disciples are anti-Semitic? His assertion is so ridiculous and foolish as to be laughable. Dobson believed that the attacks on the film's apparent anti-Semitism were just a smokescreen for the liberal establishments, that's Dobson's phrase, refusal to believe that Jesus was a historical figure and the savior of mankind. Such a claim, Dobson said, is an offense to the postmodern sensibilities of our morally relativistic culture. Dobson viewed the criticism of Gibson's film in the context of Martin Scorsese's 1988 film, The Last Temptation of Christ, a cinematic portrayal of Christ as a human being who struggled with sexual temptation and eventually married Mary Magdalene. Ted Haggard, the president of the National Association of Evangelicals, who was present at the Colorado Spring showing, said that he and his fellow evangelical leaders talked with Gibson for an hour following the showing of the film, and not one of us in the room had a question or concern about the theology in the movie or the historical content of the movie, and we rejected all claims that the movie was anti-Semitic. Haggard even went as far as questioning why some Jews would criticize a film about Christ's death, since evangelical Christians were some of the strongest supporters of Israel, and Jews would not want to alienate them. Gibson arranged a private showing of the Passion of the Christ with Billy Graham, who, according to some reports, was moved to tears by it. He described the film as faithful to the Bible's teaching that we are all responsible for Jesus' death because we have all sinned. It is our sins that caused his death, not any particular group. These comments by Graham took on an added significance in light of several anti-Semitic remarks the evangelist made to then President Richard Nixon in the 1970s. These remarks were revealed a few years before the release of The Passion of the Christ, when the National Archives released the Nixon tapes. At the time the tapes were released, Graham apologized for those anti-Semitic remarks. Two other evangelical leaders, Franklin Graham, Billy's son, and Gary Bauer, 
told the Anti-Defamation League that they would make it clear to the evangelical community that the Gospels do not teach that the Jews killed Jesus. A spokesperson for the League, who had been in contact with Graham, said that the son of the famous evangelist understands our pain and he will raise his voice. Bauer, a 2004 presidential candidate, as we've seen in previous episodes, and director of the Christian right organization American Values, told the Anti-Defamation League that he would do what he could to make it clear that no one took Christ's life. He gave it as a free gift of grace. Overall, evangelicals love the film. Dobson warned his followers about the violent content, but concluded that the violence was intended not to titillate or entertain, but to emphasize the reality of the unspeakable suffering that our Savior endured on our behalf. Dobson quoted Isaiah 53, 5, by his stripes, we are healed. He also warned his constituency about Mel Gibson. Yes, Gibson was a Catholic, and yes, he had appeared in other films that evangelicals might find offensive. But Dobson calmed any fears his constituents might have by attesting that there are no specific references to unique Catholic doctrines in the film, and the focus on the family audience should know that his endorsement of the film was not a blanket endorsement of either Mr. Gibson's personal beliefs or his past work. Dobson called The Passion of the Christ the most heart-wrenching, powerful portrayal of Christ's suffering that I have ever seen. He described preview screenings in which audience members left the theater either weeping openly or hushed in reverent silence. And Dobson concluded that this film had the power to evangelize more than the liberal establishment can stomach. Jerry Falwell of Liberty University said that the passion of the Christ will do for Jesus movies what Saving Private Ryan did for war pictures. Greg Laurie, a megachurch pastor in California, called the movie one of the most powerful evangelistic tools of the last 100 years and added that he was praying that Mel Gibson's movie will have a powerful impact on our culture and that it will appeal to millions of movie lovers who are starving for a glimmer of honesty regarding the miraculous and life-changing story of the one who died for everyone, no matter their religious heritage, station in life, sexual preference, or skin color. Ronald Sider, a progressive evangelical and founder of Evangelicals for Social Action, called the Passion of the Christ simply fabulous, Never in my life have I seen any movie that comes even close to depicting what Roman crucifixion was really like. Pious talk about Jesus's death for our sins takes on a whole new meaning. Evangelical leaders, organizations, and churches work closely with Gibson in marketing the movie as a potential tool for evangelism. For example, the North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Church compared the possibility of using the Passion of the Christ for evangelism in the same way that churches use the despair surrounding the September 11th terrorist attacks or the prevalence of Super Bowl parties as a means of sharing the gospel with unbelievers. The board issued literature, which was also published at its website, about how to effectively use the film. It called for Southern Baptist churches to organize special all-night prayer meetings in homes 
encouraged periods of fasting in preparation of the film's release, and organized prayer walks at the theaters where the Passion of the Christ would be shown. The board sent a flyer to all Southern Baptist pastors explaining how they could use the movie's message in Sunday morning services. Similarly, Michael L. Simpson of Cook Communications Ministries wrote a piece offering five suggestions for convincing one's unbelieving neighbor to see the film. These suggestions went like this. For the person who loves to be up on current events, you could say, have you heard all the hype and coverage of Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion? I'm planning to check it out. Wanna come? For anyone who loves controversy or who you think might have already drawn an opinion about the film, one could say, I've heard a lot of contradicting opinions and controversy over the movie, The Passion. I decided to see it for myself to draw my own conclusions. Want to join me? And for someone who wouldn't normally go to a religious movie, one could say, I'd love to hear the opinion of someone who doesn't share my same beliefs. There are some people I know that didn't like it, some that loved it. It will be interesting to hear how our opinions differ and might help me better understand where you're coming from. And for the regular movie fan, you could say, I heard it's pretty gory, but very realistic and well done. The special effects and makeup are supposed to be incredible. Want to check it out? And then to connect with the anti-establishment person, one could say, I think it's cool that something Hollywood wouldn't touch is doing so well at the box office. I guess the public knows more than Hollywood about what makes for good entertainment. Have you seen it? Want to see it with me this weekend? Simpson's article also walked Christians step-by-step step through how they might share the gospel with friends after seeing the movie. In Montana, a group of churches created a website and a telephone hotline for moviegoers with questions about the theological content of the film. The stock car racing organization NASCAR also promoted the Passion of the Christ. At the Daytona 500, evangelical Christian race car driver Bobby Labonte included an ad for the film on his car's hood, and Labonte did not hesitate to talk about the potential the ad might have for evangelism. It's a chance to get the word out, he said. Someone who is curious about Jesus and has never been saved sees the race and says, hmm, I'd like to see what that's about. Maybe we can change their minds. Meanwhile, several Hollywood stars and other celebrities stood behind Gibson as he fended off accusations of anti-Semitism. They included Sandra Bullock, Donald Trump, Kirk Douglas, and Hillary Swank. Orange County, California megachurch pastor Rick Warren described the release of The Passion of the Christ as a spiritual tsunami. His church saw a rise in attendance and conversions in the months following the film's release. Greg Laurie said that his church, Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, had 1,000 conversions to Christianity during his six-week sermon series on the movie. But in other regions of the country, the movie did not have the kind of impact that many evangelicals had hoped for. In St. Louis, the college ministry Campus Crusade for Christ showed the movie to 1,300 college students, and fewer than 10 people were saved. The Barna Group, a polling agency specializing in religious trends, found that less than one-tenth of one percent of those who saw the film 
accepted Jesus as their savior because of it. Many evangelical organizations connected the passion of the Christ to the ongoing culture wars. The Southern Baptist's North American Mission Board special website devoted to the movie also contained a link to the website for its One Nation Under God initiative. This initiative included an out-of-context 1785 quote from Thomas Jefferson proclaiming the God who gave us life gave us liberty and adding, can liberties of a nation be secure when he, we have removed a conviction that these liberties are the gift of God? The One Nation Under God webpage, which again was listed with the Passion of the Christ resources for local Baptist congregations, also included a prayer that read, Father, look down in mercy on this nation and the Supreme Court, considering whether it is constitutional for the word under God to be included in our Pledge of Allegiance. This, I might add, was a reference to a 2004 Supreme Court case brought by an atheist who said a California school's pledge requirement violated his daughter's First Amendment rights. Roberta Combs of the Christian Coalition praised Gibson's courage in releasing the film and called upon her constituents to pray for this film that it would reach and touch people's lives. On the Coalition's website, Resources for how churches could use the film appeared just below a printable petition with the headline, Help Us Take America Back. Obviously, many evangelicals found the Passion of the Christ useful for more than just evangelism. And it is here where our next episode will pick up the story of Mel Gibson's popular and controversial film. The History of Evangelicals and Politics is produced by Casey Lane. It is a podcast for patrons of Current, an online platform that includes daily commentary, reflection, and judgment from diverse and talented writers representing positions across the political spectrum. Current also hosts The Way of Improvement Leads Home, a blog dedicated to reflections on American history, politics, religion, and academic life. This podcast is made possible by our patrons. Please consider supporting us by heading over to currentpub.com and clicking the red support button. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.